It's time for the Back to the Book broadcast with Brother Jimmy Ruckman. You can send all correspondence to Brother Jimmy Ruckman, 1621 Six Mile Cemetery Road, Maryville, Tennessee, 37803, or email backtothebookbroadcast at gmail.com. The Back to the Book broadcast is a ministry of the Ridgeview Baptist Church in Walland, Tennessee. You can visit the church website at rbcwalland.org. And now the broadcast. Please take your Bibles once again, turn to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 4. So we did a bit of review yesterday, trying to catch us up to speed, just to refresh our memories where we've been, where we're going to somewhat. And remember, the whole purpose of a lot of what we're dealing with is this matter of salvation. And in the very specific area that we're in right now, from chapter 3, verse 21, through the rest of chapter 5, we're dealing with justification, or that is that act whereby God would declare us righteous. He would not impute to us sin, which is naturally imputed to us or given to us, or another term for that is, I believe, uh, uh, accounted to us. So how is it that we are made righteous before God? Well, that's through this thing of justification. Now, Paul begins dealing very heavily at this part with salvation or justification, if you'll allow me to use those two somewhat interchangeably for the purposes we're dealing with. Paul is dealing with this thing of salvation by faith alone, not by anything else, not by the works of the law. And there's really, Romans is written to both Jews and Gentiles. It's written to these Romans. Now, it's been said, and I don't... I, don't know that there's as much Bible justification for this. There is some, as much as this maybe just comes from history. But they say that a lot of those Gentiles, possibly, that were in the Roman church could have also at one point been Jewish proselytes who now have who who now have seen all this went on and now they've received Christ. So this is an issue not just for the Gent or not just for the Jews, but also possibly for the Gentiles where they are thinking that they still have to keep the law in some form or keep rites of the religion, i.e. one of those, circumcision, um, which represents keeping the law in its entirety. It was one of the covenant or signs of the covenants that God had with Abraham. But Paul begins to, to, to show that Abraham was not justified by this circumcision as is or, or as the Jews thought. They had in their minds that his keeping the law is what merited his salvation. Paul's whole point of this is, no, 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 that's impossible. We looked last week at the very end. Not only is it impossible for a human being to live to such a standard of righteousness, when see, we all we have imputed sin to our account through Adam. That's a given. And that, but if we were to set, set that aside, we all have our own sin. We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. And even if we didn't have the imputed sin of Adam in our lives, we have our own sin. We are guilty. We are responsible for our own actions. We've all sinned. We've all come short. It is impossible. Once I have sinned, it's impossible for me to keep the law. And the thing is, the law was never there for me to keep. It was literally to show me my transgressions. It was to show me my problem. It's there to show us our need for Christ. It is not there to justify us. It never was. So Abraham, from verses 1 through 5, it's, it's dealing with Abraham and how he was justified by faith. How is it? Because he believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. 
Verse number four, now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Now, I may have gotten this just a little bit backwards, maybe the other the other day when I talked about this. But as I've done a little bit more reading, I think what this verse is getting at is that you can keep on working all you want, and you're going to get every wage, everything that you're worthy of. I mean, God's not going to be any man's debtor, but... When we try to work, the problem is we still have sin on our account. And the Bible's very clear that the wages of sin is debt. I'm sorry, is death. So, God can't give us grace. We need grace for salvation. But if you want to try to work your way to get to heaven, go ahead and try, but you're going to be given a reward, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. And that reward that you get is not what you're thinking it's going to be. The wages of sin is death. But... To him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. That's Jesus Christ. His faith is counted for righteousness. That's going to be the theme here. Faith counted for righteousness. If we're going to be counted as righteous before God and make it before the judgment seat of Christ, so to speak, which I know really the great white throne judgment is what I should say there. But if we're going to make it through... If we're going to make it to heaven, if we're going to be saved, it's going to be by faith and by faith alone. He then begins dealing with David. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of man, unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Now he's further describing or further explaining what he's just said in verses 4 and 5. David's the perfect example. David is a Jew. David is one of the greatest kings in Israel's history. Yet, as one writer put it, or John Phillips put it, David is also one of the greatest sinners in the Old Testament. David committed two major sins that were worthy of immediate death under their law and under the law that God had given them. David murdered Uriah, and David committed adultery with Uriah's wife, and then proceeded to marry her after he had killed Uriah, trying to hide his sin. Both of those counts, in specific, made David worthy of death. David could have lived as good as he wanted from that point on. He's still worthy of death because of the sin that he committed. So David's point is, blessed is the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. David understood, I could have worked as hard as I wanted to from this point, and I couldn't have been righteous. I'm guilty. We all stand in the same boat. Work as hard as you want to to try to save yourself, try to establish your righteousness before God uh, to, to whatever extent you think possible. And I'm telling you that at the end of your trying, you're going to find out that you still owe God a debt greater than you can pay because you have sin and the wages of sin is death and you cannot get outside of that. If you're going to be justified before God, it will be by the grace of God alone. And that is through faith in Jesus Christ. And you can be blessed only by only if God is willing to impute righteousness to your account without works. David goes on to say, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. God did that for him. God's the one that gave him the pass. 
God justified him even though he deserved death. God justified him. God wouldn't impute that sin. God wouldn't count that sin on his account. But rather, because of his faith, God imputed righteousness without works to David's account. We'll see David in heaven one day, even though he was a murderer and an adulterer. He didn't have to die then. He was saved. David understood this thing of justification by faith not of works. So, we've dealt some now with this faith in God. It's, got, it's going to be faith alone that saves us, that justifies us, not by works. But he goes on to explain a few things a little bit farther. But there's going to be another issue that comes up here in verse number 9. You see, there's, there's groups in the New Testament, in Acts, that you'll see, they were trying to say, salvation's by grace through faith alone, yes, but it's only for those that are circumcised already. It's only for the Jews. It's kind of for us. Don't let the Gentiles have it, pretty much. Well, notice what Paul says. Cometh this blessedness, then, upon circumcision only, the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. Let me put this in perspective here because the words maybe that the text are using we wouldn't be as familiar with. Circumcision many times is used to represent the Jews. Uncircumcision many times is used to represent the Gentiles. When Abraham was still viewed in God's eyes as a Gentile. He didn't have the promise yet. He, he, he didn't, uh, let me, let me take, uh, take a step back. He did not have the sign of circumcision yet. He did not have any, any of those laws at all yet. The only thing he had was, I mean, he, he was formerly from a heathen country. He was a Gentile. But God, in His grace and mercy, justified Abraham when he believed in God. And Abraham became the father of the Jewish nation, and not just the Jewish nation, but those that would believe on God through faith. And the next several verses tell us that very thing. Abraham was justified before he was ever a Jew. It was his justification before God that made him a Jew, so to speak. Now, I need to clarify this. I do not believe one bit whatsoever about the church's replacement of Israel as some will teach. It's, it's unscriptural as all get out. God gave Abraham some physical promises to a physical seed line and the, the physical nation of Israel that have still yet to be fulfilled. And Paul will pick that up later on in, I believe, chapters 11 and 12, or, or in that area anyway. Paul will pick up how that God is not through with his people yet. He set them aside for a, a little a, a portion of time to where he could show his love to the Gentiles and turn to us, but he will turn back again to them. But we still inherit some of the spiritual promises through Abraham that were given to him, and one of those being the promised seed that is of Christ. Christ became not just the Savior of the Jews, but the Savior of the Gentiles also. So this sign of circumcision, um, it was just a seal of, right, of the righteousness of faith, which he had, yet being uncircumcised, that he might be a father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that the righteous might that righteousness might be imputed unto them also, and the father of circumcision 
to them who are not of circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith that our father of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. Now I'm still meditating on some things here, but if you'll notice with me, it says these if we'll follow or but who walk also in the steps of faith of our father Abraham, what steps were those? Verse 3, one step, Abraham believed God. That's something for you to chew on for yourself. I can't spend much time on that. So he moves on a little bit farther. Verse number 13, for the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise is made of none effect. The promise he's dealing with here was an unconditional promise from God. And if they had to do anything to verify that promise, then it wouldn't have been unconditional any moment anymore. It would have been conditional, and that would have made God a liar. Because God promised by nothing other than himself that this would happen. And that promise came by grace alone. That law, verse 15, because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. So now we're going to have another small shift. And Abraham, or Abraham, goodness, Paul is going to focus in hard through Abraham's story here. And he's going to start dealing with a justification it was impossible, and he's already dealt some with it. He's just going to hammer the point home that much more, that justification will be through grace and faith alone, nothing else. It is impossible. It is unscriptural. It's impossible. It, 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 would, it's, it's, it could never happen by us keeping the law because the law was never given for that purpose. It was given to show us our sin. So he's going to deal very heavily with salvation by faith alone. And my friend, if you have never trusted in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, if you're trusting in anything other than Christ alone, then you need to, to get in the scripture and find out what God says because the only justifying faith, the only way to God, will be through faith alone in Jesus Christ's finished work. You've been listening to the Back to the Book broadcast with Brother Jimmy Ruckman. You can send all correspondence to Brother Jimmy Ruckman, 1621 Six Mile Cemetery Road, Maryville, Tennessee, 37803, or email backtothebookbroadcast at gmail.com. The Back to the Book broadcast is a ministry of the Ridgeview Baptist Church in Wallen, Tennessee. You can visit the church website at rbcwalland.org.